Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. Welcome, I'm Susan Shireko, and today if you are rebuilding your life, I'd like to lighten the experience. It is so easy to sink into negative thinking when you're talking about disasters. And I don't care what kind of disaster it is. It could be a natural disaster, a divorce, it could be a lost love, it could be financial woes. Whatever it is, it's very easy to sink into the negative. So today, I'd like to do exactly the opposite. I want you to talk, I want you to hear about gratitude and appreciation and bliss. I want to talk about being okay with where you find yourself, even as you seek out what you would like even better. It's something I had to learn to do. Uh, I, I began my journey after the landslide with, I am where I am, and why is that okay? And then gradually it became, I am where I am, and it's fabulous. So... Uh, I was learning that, you know, it, you have to keep in a good place when you're going through tough times. And that's why I am so thrilled <clears throat> to be able to introduce you to my very special guest, Kim Douglas, who I have the pleasure of seeing several times a week on the Home and Family Show. A comedian, Kim is lovely, upbeat, and friendly. Uh, this is right out of her book blurb, by the way. She's a beauty guru, a lifestyle expert, TV host, red carpet reporter, mom, wife, and blissologist. You can see her regularly on the Ellen DeGeneres Show, and she's also the best-selling author of the book, Bliss Happens. Now, as I read her book, I got to know Kim a little better, how she has a basic philosophy that colors her work and enables her to maintain a positive attitude of bliss in every aspect of her life. Welcome, Kim Douglas. Thank you, Susan. What a great intro. Wow. Can you do that for me every day? Just walk around and say those good things? Who wouldn't be blissful after all that? Right? Well, you deserve every word of it. You've done all of it. So. Well, I you know, I know you mostly from working on the TV show. Yes. What struck me uh, when I picked up your book is how much bliss has become sort of your brand. It's what you're known for. How did that happen? That's very interesting, and it's so true. You know, um, I started out as a hard news reporter, so I was covering, uh, forgive the pun, but murders, rapes, and fires. I mean, that was basically all that was on the news in the area that I was in, in the Detroit, Michigan area. And um, I just found myself really coming home, taking a lot of the stories home with me. And I would be a little bit down, you covered a fire, and perhaps there was an entire family involved, or, you know, there was a murder, and it just was really down, and you start feeling that and bringing it home with you. And I know you're supposed to be objective, but your heart gets involved. And when you're doing that every single solitary day, um, it just feeds and builds upon itself. And so I just made a conscious effort. I said, you know what? I really don't want to do this every day for the rest of my life. So through a series of events, I ended up in Los Angeles 
and started doing um, a little bit more feature reporting, like the good news stories, the stories that make you feel better. And it's so true, Susan, how you really do have to choose to be happy. It isn't something that I just wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, look at me. I, you know, there's birds singing and rainbows and little sparkles everywhere. But you do have to choose it because we all have those difficulties in our lives with our families, with our home, with our mortgage, with our car, whatever it is. But the more you surround yourself with positive things in your life, and it can be as simple as sticky notes that you stick around your mirror, your house, whatever, saying something positive about your body, your weight, your looks, your mind, you are smart, you are creative, the more it feeds into your soul. And that's how it all started for me, this whole bliss thing. I love it. And that's, I mean, that's really classic advice, too, that uh, people don't realize that the, there's a sort of the idea of that just that visual cue is enough to change right. your life in a positive direction. So you yeah. had, um, I mean, you, you talk a little bit about some of the challenges in that, using the word frenemies, <laughs> yeah. which, I, which I love because I'm very much into the power of self-talk, whether it's negative or possible. Right. Um, what is a frenemy? Well, it's very interesting because, you know, I am a person that feels like if you see someone, and we do this in our workplace together, Susan, you and I, um, you know, you see Janie, Brad, Joe, whatever, I always look at them and think, oh, my gosh, you know, I love their shoes or I love their smile or I love their hair today. And I see that and I mention it. Oh, gosh, your hair looks great today, Sally. Oh, don't you look cute in your – but it's so interesting because, you know, the first thing I see when I look in the mirror with myself, oh, gosh, you got that freckle. Oh, what about that blemish? Oh, your hair looks a little dry. Oh, you know, in the self-talk – that I used to do to myself, I wouldn't do to some of my worst enemies, you know? And I started saying, wait a minute, how come it's okay for me to tell acquaintances, the mailman, the person at the, you know, Starbucks, what a great smile they have or how pretty their teeth are or whatever. But I look in the mirror and I'm so mean to me. Mm-hmm. So I started turning that around and saying, if I can be, nice to others and I see how that reflects on them and how it brings a smile to their face or people will say to me, oh, thanks, you just made my day or, oh, that made me feel good, then why shouldn't I be doing that to myself rather than ripping myself apart? So I stopped being my own frenemy and started being my own friend. That's probably one of the best friends you have. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Thick and thin, always there. I mean, you know. You tell a great story, Kim, about what happened when you had your chance to go on the Ellen Show and how you almost blew it. Oh, Because, you know, what you did to yourself. Yeah, Mm self-sabotage. Another big thing, you know. We look at those um, disasters in our life that you often speak of, Susan, and then I know you personally went through, and we all have gone through them, whether they're monetary or uh, physical, emotional, whatever they are. And, you know, it's interesting with how we can really 
even if there isn't a disaster, we can almost make one happen. And I had prayed and dreamed and fantasized and claimed and written and done all these positive things about I'm going to get on the Ellen Show. I'm going to get on the Ellen Show. This is where I want to be. I want to be in a big network show. And finally, the opportunity came after years and years of, of struggle. And then I got so nervous and so into self-sabotage that I got literally so ill with um, throwing up that I couldn't stop. And I had to call a nurse that came to the house and gave me an anti-chemotherapy drug for um, patients, cancer patients that can't stop throwing up from the chemo. And, you know, I just had to get a hold of myself and say, wait a minute, you know, you can do this. And this opportunity is here. Go and do it. And I would have regretted that for the rest of my life and always wondered, what would have happened if I ever went on the Ellen Show? And by the way, Susan, I got booked on the Ellen Show for one-time gig. This was a one-time six-minute shot. It wasn't like she was saying, oh, Kim, we can't wait to have you, and maybe I'll make you your own show. It was, come on on for six minutes and show me how to get ready for the, the Academy Awards. And once I got over myself and stopped sabotaging myself and stopped trying to create a disaster, I went on. It was like a duck to water. She looked me in the eye. I knew I could trust her. I knew she would just take whatever I would say and turn it into the most hysterical thing ever, which she did. (laughs) And I'm her only regular, and I've been on the show for 11 years. Oh, my word. I didn't realize how long it had been. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, great indication. You know, what, what a fabulous tale to tell. You know, from one six-minute segment. Wow. Right? And <laughs> so how you, you can... Yeah, you mentioned the word, you know, the disasters. Have you ever been through one? Well, I think disasters can be um, defined in many ways. Are you talking about a disaster where, you know, my home burned down and I watched everything in front of me um, just being deteriorated? No, I, I haven't. But I have had a lot of disasters in my life, one of which could have been that story with the Ellen Show where I just mm-hmm. sabotaged myself and, and, you know, ruined one of my best chances ever. Also, Susan, in the business that I chose to be in, just about every other day, I go out on an audition and I go into a room with 20 women that are my age, my height, my weight, my coloring, my look, and my personality. So you go in and you see all these women that look just like you, but one's a little bit taller and a little bit thinner and a little bit funnier and a little bit blonder and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. then you, you compete against them and you know that only one of you are going to get the job. So in some facets of disaster, it's almost like I face that every day in this competitive mm-hmm. field that I put myself in. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can either say, oh, gosh, you know, I went out for 20 auditions and I didn't get 19 of them. But you can also turn it around and go, guess what? I got this one job. I'm on Home and Family. Isn't this amazing? I'm so excited. It's such a great fit. This is the right show for me. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing, Susan, is every time I'd go on these auditions, rather than saying, oh, I've got to beat out Janie and Sally and blah, blah, or, oh, gosh, I wish I looked like this one, I would say, you know what? If they want Susan, they don't want Kim. And if mm-hmm. they want Kim, they don't want Susan. 
So it really isn't that you're doing anything so wrong and I'm doing something right or vice versa. It's just that you fit this better than I do, and so the next one, I may fit it better than you. And that's, I mean, that's probably the healthiest way to look at this entire industry. It's, right. It's built on, Isn't that, on the that truth? sort of rejection on a day-to-day basis. Right. We have to deal with it. No, it is. I think people must read that kind, of, that mental state that you get uh, for your life because they write in to you, they're con- oh. reaching out to you, uh, yeah. and and you, you know, they, there something touches them, something that you are providing fills a need, and and I, what are they looking for? How do you how do you help them mm-hmm. when they reach out? Well, that's a really great question. It kind of stems from how you started the interview today, and that is, so I was doing this show called The Doctors, and um, it is owned by Dr. Phil Mm -hmm. and run by his son, Jay McGraw. And um, Jay came to me, and he said, you know, Kim, I know you wrote four other books. One of the the best-selling one was The Black Book, Hollywood Beauty Secrets. He said, I want to do a book with you because we've started a publishing company, Bird Street Books. And he said, um, and I said, oh, great. I said, you know, Jay, the only thing is, is I just don't know if I have any more info in me about beauty. And he said, no, that's not what you're selling. People aren't buying beauty from you. Um, he said, you know, you're not Estee Lauder and you're not Bobby Brown. They don't buy beauty from you. He said, you know what they buy from you? They buy from you or buy into a happiness, a lightheartedness, a, a blissfulness, a um, a kind of looking at life in a, in a fun way. And he said, that's what I want to write a book about. That's what I think they, they look to you for. And so I have to give credit where credit's due, and it was Dr. Phil and Jay McGraw that first came up with the title of Bliss Happens. And it was um, it was just a natural way of, at the time when, when I wrote the book, there was a saying um, of, you know, just like, you know, crap happens. Everybody would right, be, right, of you course. know, like, oh, yeah, I'm on a freeway, and, you know, of course, guess what? There's a major traffic jam. Well, junk happens, or, mm-hmm. you know, even a worse word than that. And, oh, you know, I got uh, rear-ended. Yeah, of course, I'm probably going to get in another two accidents because, you know, crap happens. So people started saying this term, and you know what? Sure enough, all kinds of bad things would just keep happening because it was almost as if they were looking for it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you start saying, yeah, I've got the worst luck. Well, guess what? You will. That's it. Um, <laughs> right. Be careful what you ask for, you know, what you're telling Yes, yourself. or what you verbalize or what yes. you put out there. So he said, let's turn it around and do bliss happens because just like negativity can happen so easily and we can attract it and bring it into our life, so can positivity. And once I started writing this, it really resonated with so many people, Susan, and they started saying, you know, instead of looking and seeking out, if you will, the negative and the bad and, oh, it's always me. You know, if I eat a donut, I'm going to gain 50 pounds, I swear, or whatever <laughs> it is that they would say, mm-hmm. you know, it it really would be true enough. All of a sudden, you know, half the family would be eating the same stuff at Thanksgiving and they would gain two pounds and the person saying they gained so much weight, sure enough, they would have gained six pounds, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like people resonated with the bliss philosophy and they started applying that in their everyday life 
And that's when they started seeing changes happening. Sure. So what exactly is bliss? Bliss is, if you look it up, the definition in the dictionary, it's literally the highest state of joy. It's a euphoria. So it's a place where we all want to be. It's our happiest place. And for you, it it could be one thing, and for me, it may be another, and for your listeners, it's somewhere, surely somewhere else. Um, so it's just that, you know, checking in and finding where your bliss is and how to find it, how to surround yourself with people that lift you up and encourage that in you and doing the things that keep you happy and blissful and trying to keep the negativity as far at bay as you can. Well, that, you know, that, that sounds great, but when people are experiencing really serious um, or challenging True. situations, they, they may not exactly be appreciating what they're going through. Uh, True. What could yeah, what can you're right. they do um, when they're feeling the opposite of bliss that would help to move them toward it? Well, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's hard to say to somebody, a cancer patient that has stage four cancer, you know, oh, be blissful or perhaps you're in your work situation and you happen to have to work with several people that you just do not get along with. How do you deal with that? How do you create a blissful environment? And the the bottom line is, Susan, it really has to come from inside. You have to just find the positive in your situation. Okay, maybe you work with three people that are very negative and you really have a hard time with them. But you do have a job. You are working. You are making money. You're able to feed your family. You know, regardless of the health situation in your life, you, you're up, you're breathing, you're moving towards healing if you are going through chemo or whatever it is that you're going through to help fight this disease. So in any situation, there is a positive kernel. I don't mean for you to go around and be airy-fairy and, oh, look at me, everything's wonderful all the time, but you do have to find those spots in the situation that are positive and at least build from there or concentrate on those and really focus on those more than the girl next to you who's driving you crazy every day of your life from nine to five. Yes, well, you know, it, I I find that extremely important. You used the word be grateful when you started, you know, change your yes. attitude. And yes. that's one of the biggest things I found uh, to help me get through the landslide, which was to right. wake up every morning and do an exercise of listing, you know, ten things or so that I was grateful for that day. And when it, when I started, right. I was not feeling particularly grateful. Uh, I but bet. the more I did it, the better I felt and the more things appeared to make me feel better the next day. Interesting. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was a very powerful message to just change your attitude and look for things to appreciate in your life. Right, um, even if it's just one. Even if it yeah. there's just one tiny kernel. That's it. That's truly it. So you, know? you, you spend a lot of time in the book talking about different ways you can create bliss in all areas of your life. I, I see it's... You, the most important part is what you do within yourself. But you also right. apply it into so many areas of our lives. It's, there's an outer component to it as well. 
There is, and Susan, do you mind, I've never done this in an interview before, but do you mind if I just backtrack? Because something just came so strongly to my mind, and that question you asked me, and no one's really ever asked me that, if I've ever had a big disaster in my life. Can I answer that for you just one more time? Certainly. Absolutely. I have had a huge disaster in my life, and I'm not even sure if you in our personal friendship know this, but I tried to get pregnant for 13 years. And um, I've been married to my husband, Jerry Douglas, on The Young and the Restless for 13 years, and we have been trying to have a baby. And there were fertility issues on both ends with us. And we prayed and we cried and we went to every doctor in Los Angeles and New York and we flew here and we flew there and we went to fertility clinics and so on and so forth. And finally, after years and years, we were going to adopt and one adoption fell through and we were going to do in vitro and that didn't work and so on and so forth. I could write a book, forgive the pun, on, on just that situation alone. Finally, we got pregnant. And we were so excited, we couldn't even stand it. And um, they said, it, it's just going great. You're having the best pregnancy ever. This is all wonderful. And um, I wouldn't eat a chocolate chip cookie because there were caffeine, I thought, in the chips of the chocolate. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a cup of coffee. I didn't dye my – I mean, I did everything to the T. I was the healthiest pregnant woman that ever walked. And um, nine and a half weeks before Hunter, our baby, was supposed to be born, the girls some girls on a, a TV show I was on threw a baby shower for me. And it was at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club. And there was a big window. And in front of the window, the catering team at the, at the tennis club had put a tower of little cube cheese. You know the little squares of cheese that you eat all the time? Right. People at, at events. Um, and... I had been running around all day, and by the time I got to the shower, I was hungry, and I knew I needed to keep my um, protein up. So I reached for a little cube of cheese that had been sitting in the sun at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club, a wonderful, it wasn't like I went to, you know, Joe's Taco Stand on the side of the road. I mean, it was, right? So um, I had a piece of cheese, and had the most beautiful baby shower ever. Everything was perfect. That night I went home, and I started in a state of duress that I've never experienced in my life. Everything was going wrong, high fever, throwing up, everything. Hunter, I had eaten a piece of cheese that was sitting in the sun and had listeria in it, which is like salmonella, but it's for dairy. And when you are pregnant, the listeria attaches on to the baby. And um, so when I was ill, it then went to the baby, the fetus, and um, he started dying inside of my <gasps> stomach. And it was nine and a half weeks early. He was born at Cedar sinai was blue, went immediately into NIC, NCIU, yeah, mm. neonatal mm. care. And um, they said we were going to lose him. So when you asked me if I was ever in a disaster and asking me to, oh, wait, what happened to this positive bliss? You know, where were you? I was devastated. This was the baby I had prayed for for 13 years. And my only chance to have a child, and he was appearing nine and a half weeks early with no lung development, completely blue, and with listeria. I mean, you know, the worst nightmare. So I, I went into almost a coma, if you will, where I just functioned but barely. I would just get up, go to the hospital, try to breastfeed it, but come home. Yes. But as the days went on, Susan, I just kept thinking, this baby has got a will to live, and I alone am going to will him to live if I have to, because I don't care what happens. 
I am going to love him no matter what. And they told us all these things that would be wrong with him, so on and so forth. He, he wouldn't have good motor skills, and he would probably not develop very well, and he may be deaf. And each day, Susan, I went into that little um, incubator. I hadn't held my baby in two and a half weeks. And I would see him fighting and struggling after uh, blood platelets and and blood transfusions. And I would say, he is going to, He's going to fight through this, and this is happening, and I am going to appreciate every day with this baby even more, and we're going to tell this story in years to come, and it's going to help somebody else. So even though I can't tell you that there was one thing positive about fighting for a child and then having him and then almost losing him, there's not a whole lot of bliss in that, I'll tell you. But you know, Susan, today... He's 17 years old. He's in Division One football. He's six one and 180 pounds. He's super fast. He's super mobile. He can hear everything I have to say and more, even when I don't want him to. <laughs> when I'm whispering, like, did Hunter do his homework? Um, what'd you say, Mom? And you know, Susan, that disaster in my life made Jerry and I and Hunter so strong and knowing that we will beat the odds no matter what disaster strikes us. We will fight through, even if you're a three-pound, four-ounce baby with a Mm. disease, he still fought through it. That is such a story, Kim. I mean, it really sums up so much of what is important in, in that attitude. Just the love that you and the devotion and the willingness to stick with it in spite of all the circumstances around you because yeah. they, you know, they you know, there's nothing there's no one that's telling you this will be okay no They're giving you the no. worst possible outcomes and you were able to rally around that and think positively and be positive and do what do the actions that support your belief that that it will be it will work out and and you will have this loving relationship for as long as it's going to last. Right, and right. That, I mean, that really is an incredible story. Wow. wow. Well, thank you. And I think it's rather ironic that when you asked me if I had a disaster in my life, I didn't even think of that, Susan. Oh. I, I just went like, no, I really haven't. Because I think in a way, I realized what a, a blessing was in the nightmare. Mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. the rainbow was in the storm, and I know yes. we all can relate to that. Yes, indeed. We actually—I know someone who is uh, facing a, a similar challenge right this minute. Her her grandchild is still in utero, but is um, the mother's water broke, and so uh-huh. she she is twelve weeks early, and so they're doing oh. everything that they can to keep the child in the womb as long as possible. Yes, but they are facing that that very scary scenario you're talking about. Oh, yeah. It is very. Oh, yeah. It's it's great to hear this story because it's really very hopeful for people who've been yeah. going through that. That you know, Especially in today's medicine, we, we right. do have abilities that we never had before. So what That's did you turn, sure. what did you do to, I mean, is that just inherently within you? Or did you go to a, a counselor or did you read a book or did you... Did you practice certain things in order to give yourself that inner strength? Um, You know, I think it comes from your upbringing, your family. I come from a a family of a really strong faith background. Um, 
and I, I was very blessed with two very beautiful, strong parents. So I'm certain that that had a lot to do with it. But again, you know, we all face struggles and disappointment on a regular basis. And I'm sure, you know, my hand is raised the highest to say I've been there. But, you know, Susan, when I look at the alternative, I'd much rather find the positive in the situation than the negative because I know the outcome is going to be, uh, you know, a bad one for me. I'd rather be happy than sad. I'd rather be upbeat than a downer. Who wants to be Debbie Downer and who wants to be around Debbie Downer all the time, you know? Right, and given the choice that we don't know the outcome, why spend the time worrying about the negative when you can be embracing what would be a positive outcome? Right, absolutely true. Absolutely true. So... So you are now at this uh, you know, one of the one of those wonderful pinnacles in your life. You know, Hunter is you know, what is a senior now in in high He's school. He's going to be a senior. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and, and you know, you and Jerry have been together for umpty ump years, and you have yeah. what some people would consider to be a dream dream jobs, a dream career going on. Um, do you have? I know that the part of my litany is, you know, let me enjoy and appreciate what I have right now, even as I dream of something even better that would satisfy me even more. Um, sort of that, you know, we we all, we have that ability to keep looking for something more in our lives. Is there something right. more that's on your dream list? That's so interesting you would ask that. Um, You know, there is, and I think we always keep wanting to reach for not not saying that it isn't enough, what we've got, because it certainly is, and then some. But I think it, it is, like you say, just inherent in our natures to say, oh, my gosh, I've gotten this, but maybe I could shoot for this, too. And I actually, my next level of endeavor, if you will, is to um, start doing a lot of ancillary deals. And that is, I've watched a lot of my colleagues doing series or doing TV shows, and then they'll all of a sudden have their own line of products in some way mm-hmm. to help people. Maybe it's a line of, of shakes that are great for health, or maybe it's a line of beauty products that, you know, help enhance, or maybe it's, you know, a line of exercise equipment for other friends and colleagues of mine. So I definitely do want to do that, Susan. I feel like my particular demographic and where my heart is strong is women over 40. Uh, I, I think that they get to be the forgotten generation, the forgotten women um, in Hollywood. You know, it's like after you're about 20, 25, you're not quite thought of in the same way, and then it deteriorates every year after. And I find that women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and on are the most beautiful and the most resilient and talk about overcoming disasters. These are women of substance and style and character. And they can, you know, it it, it makes me laugh all the time when a, a beautiful model that's 19 comes on and talks about a wrinkle cream. <laughs> are you kidding me? You're 19 and you're a model. You don't even have a wrinkle. So how did that cream work on you when you don't even it's have true. it? And, and more power to her. I'm not, I'm not grudging that she's beautiful and a model in 19. I'm just saying you, you didn't need a, a wrinkle cream, darling. You really didn't. But I think if we put up women like uh, 
Christy Brinkley, Jane Fonda, um, Suzanne Summers is coming to mind because I think she's not dancing with the stars. Um, there's so many women that, that come through Home and Family, our show all the time, that are absolute beauties and, and just have gone through so many aspects of life. And some of it is on their face and some of it is on their hair and some of it is their body. It's, it's just so rich and beautiful. So that's what I would like to do is create some um, clothing and makeup and beauty and skincare for those gorgeous women over 40. That's wonderful. That is a, I think that's a noble concept to, to augment the work you're already doing. Aww. Well, thank you, Kim. Uh, I, uh, would, would you mind sharing how our listeners can get more information about you and keep abreast of what you're up to? That would be so great, and I would love that. I answer all my own emails and all my own, you know, private uh, messages on Twitter and so on and so forth. So please, any questions or any comments, I'm always open to receive. And it's Kim with a Y, K-Y-M, Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S dot com. That's my website. And then on Twitter, I'm at K-Y-M Douglas. And on Instagram, I'm at Kim Douglas as well, and um, my I have a, a fan page on Facebook, which is Kim Douglas Hollywood Beauty Expert. There you go. That's great. Yeah. All right. And well, you can always reach me through Susan too. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I see her we see each other all the time, so it's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Kim. Uh, everyone, I'm so happy to have had Kim with me here today. Uh, are you ready for today's assignment? Before you go to bed tonight, write down at least five things that you appreciate about yourself and what you did today. In the morning, start the day by writing the things that you're grateful for or that moved you closer to rebuilding your life. As you do this exercise repeatedly and find the gratitude and the appreciation, they draw more of that positive experience that you've recognized into your life. And with that, comes more bliss. Remember, as we express gratitude and appreciation in our lives, we get more of what we appreciate. Focus on the rainbows you desire, and you will move toward bliss. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.